building. I'm, I'm noticing a pattern this morning. What's that, brother? Uh, when Ken speaks, I think it's because he's eating something. Yeah. He said, this burrito has a bite to it. And then he said, Walmart is eating everyone up. We <laughs> <laughs> have at breakfast, by the way. Food. <laughs> That being said, welcome to Blacktop Pulpit by the Church at Sunsides. Blacktop Pulpit. Thank you, Kathy yes. Duffy, for these nice mugs that say Blacktop Pulpit right on them. I am Andrew Cannon. I am the pastor of the Church at Sunsides. I am here with one of our church members, Ken Duffy, and one of our other elders, Albert Kester, and uh, and... This morning I am on the chopping block. So guys, let me have it. <laughs> Albert, I'll defer to you and reading oh, Andrew this morning. <laughs> should I have said should, should I have said cutting board instead of chopping block since we're since we kind of have the food theme going it, on? This? Yeah, if it's a foodie morning, I mean, absolutely. I, I think we gotta get a little harsher. You make it sound like this is like like chop chop up time. I, I, we, have, we have such good, friendly, loving conversations, <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe we need to get a guest preacher in the in the pulpit, and then we could just shred him. <laughs> now, if it, if it was worthy of being shredded, then one of our elders here at the Church of Sunsites would uh, would have stood up during the sermon time and kindly asked him to step down. That's <laughs> you know, if it was Absolutely. worthy. <laughs> Oh man! Well, sometimes it's not what you say; it's the way you say it. That's true. <laughs> Gospel and grab people by the lapels and shout at them, but that's not the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. What's the what's the what's the saying? You you attract more bees with honey with honey yeah. than with vinegar, something like yeah, that. Something, yeah. Yeah, something similar. But the, um, not that we're trying to be seeker sensitive or attractive or anything. Goodness, <laughs> no. No, <laughs> I, I, I listened to the, the sermon Sunday with some trepidation, if you will, for lack of a better word. That I thought of myself and, and other, there, there are a lot of men that climb into the pulpit that really don't understand what they're doing. It's unfortunate. They, they, they are not aware of how serious this business is. This is not, this is not we're going to repair your window. This is not we're going to to psychoanalyze you and you're going to, you know, go solve this problem here. This is, to get in that pulpit, it takes it takes a little bit of an ego. Let's not be dishonest, you know, let's not be children. It takes a little bit of an ego. But the ego, if I don't know any other word to use. The ego is put there by Jesus Christ and the drive is there put there by Christ. And if it isn't, the, the congregation will soon, will soon learn that it isn't. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't want to hear any other preaching than what happens in this church. I, yeah. I, I don't want three I don't want three points, you know, three points in a poem. I, I want I want to know what scripture says. And I hope the congregation understood from Sunday how important it is to to while respecting the pastor, hold him accountable for what he says. From the pulpit and, and from outside the pulpit, and I, I, I hope they understand. I hope they understand that that the church is is under the under shepherd for guidance, not for dictatorial powers, but for guidance. And I think they understand that. 
that if you can't respect the man, which is unfortunate, respect his work for the work's sake, for the gospel's sake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. I do particularly um, respect that uh, that character of the men that have to date, at least with my presence, taking the pulpit at any point. I'll have that uh, the character to to receive um, and respond to be it criticism or compliment, um, just being real open and candid with the people. And that is uh, not not common, unfortunately, in, in our day, at least with my experience. Uh, you, you question or come to uh, a teacher with doubt or uncertainty or even a different view. And, and a lot of people just clam up or they're like, who are you to question me? Do you understand I'm a pastor? <laughs> like... Um, I, I really, I really like that. I appreciate that. It takes sound character and that validates and shows the, the genuine calling and equipping that God has given for that, yeah. those individuals. Yeah. yeah I, uh, while I was preaching, I had a, I had a vision. <laughs> oh, no, that's all. Uh, what did I oh, say? Never mind. <laughs> while I was preaching, um, a, a picture came to mind of um, a, it was a, a preacher in Oklahoma and I was just looking for the YouTube video and I could not, I could not find it quickly. So I'd have to probably search a little harder to find it. Um, but there was this, this preacher who blew up on his congregation. Like it was Sunday morning. It was the sermon time. And he saw somebody like closing their eyes or something or looking at their phone. It looked like they were, and he started blowing up on that person. And it was like calling people out individually. Like, how come you're not supporting me anymore? And, and, uh, and you too, you want me to marry you, but, but you're the worst church members I got. And like just saying stuff like that to his congregation. And it's like, when we get, uh, especially the preachers and teachers of the church, when we get, puffed up in our own knowledge and in our position, unfortunately, we we do become the ones who take a sledgehammer to God's local church rather than serving the local church. And mm-hmm. uh, I have learned, I've learned so much, um, especially here at the church at Sunsides, I have learned so much about what it means to for a preacher to be a slave of the congregation and of God. You know, it's it's not either or, it's not I serve God, so you stay out of my way. It's no, I'm a slave to God, and I'm a slave to the church. That's that's where we are. Um, we we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than that. Uh, I, uh, I'm in a conversation on Facebook right now about um, complementarianism and egalitarianism. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And so somebody's looking for clarification on the complementarian point of view. And uh, I made the point, like, that's a that's a an- anthropological issue, complementarian and egalitarianism. It is so crazy how quickly people skip over the 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 anthro anthropo part of that, the human part of that doctrine of humanity. Um, that's what anthropology is and skip straight to ecclesiology, jump right to application rather than looking at the doctrine for what it is. They jump right to application. And so there's this fight in the church now, and we're calling it complementarianism versus egalitarianism, right? And people are arguing about who has the right to be in the pulpit and who has the right to be an elder of a church and who has the right to be a deacon of the church. Well, I have a simple answer. 
No one. <laughs> Not a single right. person. You're 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 using anthropology <laughs> to try to argue ecclesiology, and ecclesiology is just it's a different discipline. And our anthropology it, it informs our ecclesiology, yes. But we should we should not conflate them. Be so be so hasty to conflate them because that's where we start fighting. Uh, the, we, the church today has no idea how to do how to do theology, you know. And it's and it's the pastor of a church is not there because he has a right to be there. He's there by God's grace alone, and he is a slave to the church. And as soon as we start arguing about what I have the right to be, we have disqualified ourselves from ministry altogether. That's yeah. If you, um, in is it First Corinthians that Paul talks about the marriage state? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before he gets to that part where he says, wives, submit to your husbands. In the previous uh, chapter, the way it's laid out now, it's the last verse, I think, talks about the church, that, mm-hmm. that talks about church, that, that chapter. And at the end, he says, submit to each other. He's talking about the members mm-hmm. of the church submitting to each other, and he doesn't exclude the, the elders or the deacons. He says, all of you submit to each other. Then he comes down and says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Yeah. Well, the part up above says, in the church, you submit, You can submit to your wife because she may have a better idea than you have. I, that, I, that's, I, the, that's the way I read it. But in the marriage in the marriage itself, the wife submits as to the Lord. And if she, she can't submit to him as to the Lord, she, shouldn't, she doesn't have to submit to him. I had a woman tell me when I was in California, she said, if my husband wants to rob a bank, I got to help him because I'm supposed to submit to him. I said, whoa, whoa. I don't sound scriptural. Yeah, that's called using the Bible instead of teaching it. <laughs> but there are ladies in the church that get upset, or not upset, they take issue to that submitting to the husband. It's like if your husband is pouring out his life like Christ for the church, oh, you're not going to have a problem. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. Will, he will submit to you as well as you, he will go along with you. I'll give you a personal experience. Kathy's buying a car. I've heard that for the last three weeks, and I'm getting tired. Go buy the thing, please. Well, it's this. <laughs> now it's just buy it. Get get it. So today, oh, it's it's not me. Kathy goes whole. When Kathy's in, she's in all the way. It's whole hog or none. God love her. But the same way with her in the church. It's all or none. Yeah. She she yeah. won't go in. She doesn't want a half step, and it's. Mm. There are other ladies in the church that are the same way. I have, I'm starting to have a lot of respect for Julie Morrill. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. See, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I, sorry, I digress. But anyway, the preaching I've heard here is, is spot on. Yeah. Believe it or not, um, not gentlemen, I go home and get out and get out the cheap books and look and see what. <laughs> Compared to yours, uh, <laughs> sometimes they're a little different, but it's it's opinion. How can I say this? It's the same. It's the same doctrine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can segue into a part of the uh, the passage today to talk about. I think it's very appropriate with the the dialogue we're having right now about qualified and good, like God honoring teaching. Um, one of the things that I thought about, and this is, this generally happens when you exegete the text, but it happened Wait, again on, I mean, instead of reading a verse of scripture and just appropriating it to our own ends, you mean we actually need to do the hard work and exegete the text? It's a beautiful thing. It really is. 
And, and this is like a perfect example of that. I mean, yeah. I, I think some church some churches endeavor that exegesis. Exegesis. Out, no, out the door, Jesus. Out, out the door, Jesus. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Behold, I stand um, at the door. <laughs> oh, we, where's my other cup? <laughs> yeah, I can do all things. Verse taken oh, out of context. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. We could do an entire episode on that. That'd be fun. <laughs> um, uh, two or three no, together. I, I, I can, yeah, I can do oh, all three. Yeah. <laughs> the two or three that are gathered, I think, is one of the most famously misappropriated texts of our day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know what I read now? They take Paul when Paul says, I can be, I, I'm all things to all men. You go to people that yeah. are homosexuals and you say it's cool because I'm being yeah. all things oh. all. Yeah. Or the or the verse that says there is neither Jew nor Greek yeah. nor male nor female in in Christ, and it's like, y'all, that is straight up. That that's again a mixing of the theological categories. That's soteriology, and here you're making that anthropology or ecclesiology. But that mm-hmm. is soteriology. It's like we can we're so quick to conflate the categories. It's like, yeah, people don't know how to do theology or read the Bible. It's uh, it's yeah. It, Actually makes me real sad. Anyway, we what were what were, what were you we going to say? Hold that thought, brother. I, I think, strange place. I, I quit. How do I get out of here? No. I, how do I no, get out of here? <laughs> Exit room. <laughs> no, this is great. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask a question to get into this topic um, because it was your sermon. Uh, the a, a big a big error that we make as readers of the Bible a lot is is to think that everything is being spoken to us about us. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask how how you and how other people would just quickly and safely read where it's like oh he's talking about pastors here now he's talking about congregation. This is you know more directed at this group of people. This is this is a text that you can safely say, yes, um, I could read this and it's speaking to me about me. Um, that that you distinguished, which which had a, an impact on uh, how we read an application of this this passage. Um, not as not as critically as in other texts, I think you know because there are there were uh, broad applications that you could make, but but it does. It does bring out what is being said here in, in much better and clearer ways for the reader if you understand who's in mind and, and what's being talked about. Yeah. Uh, so just and I, and I think it's important for us. So as I do that, I'm very intentional about doing this. Right. As I read through the text, I'm like, OK, how can I through my exposition of this text? That's the presentation of the text to the congregation. How can I, um, while I am preaching, teach the congregation hermeneutics? And so I, I'm looking to, to not just show the congregation what the text says and assert what the text means, but I'm, I'm looking to show the congregation how I get there. In this case, it was looking at the Greek and seeing the, the grammar of the verse, right? And so I explained how the grammar points to this reality. 
um, using singular words and plural words in that. So grammar is important. Um, Paul was intelligent. He used grammar on purpose, right? Not to mention, mm-hmm. uh, not to mention the Holy Spirit as like the most intelligent being in all of everything and outside of all of everything, right? Uh, and the Holy Spirit inspired the text. So the grammar that used is used very purposefully. And uh, when we, just a basic rule of hermeneutics, uh, when we read the Bible, we read, we read a verse, and before we apply it, we ask, who is, in the case of 1 Corinthians, who is Paul referring to? And so we ask, who is Paul referring to? And we go back, if he's referring to the preachers and teachers, then this directly applies to the preachers and teachers. If Paul is referring to the local church congregation, then this is applied directly to the congregation. Um, and so that's just a basic rule of hermeneutics, how we get a, a not just a correct interpretation, but a right application, uh, which yeah. is important. Um, yeah, basic rule of hermeneutics. First of all, how does the rest of the Bible inform this verse, right? Use the Bible to interpret the Bible. And then secondly, who is the author here referring to when he wrote that? That way I can see who he's referring to in his you know, original audience there. And that audience, his audience determines who this directly applies to in our day, right? So those are really important questions to ask, questions we should ask as we read through the text. And not everybody does that. Everybody just says, oh, everything applies directly to me all the time as an individual. And in this text, the only individual being referred to was the preacher teacher. And everything else was the local church as a group. Yeah. In, in, in scripture, we, we did, who was it, Sunday, uh, Jonah, who was very, he didn't want to go and, and preach. And the thought came to me, remember Abraham, when God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham said, got down to what, five, I forget how many, but he kept saying, if you find this many ranches, will you not destroy? The difference between those two men, the, Abraham was was a righteous man. Jonah says, let them all die, children. And I look at that and I I think about, I apply this to me. I understand what's going on. But there's a little bit of the Jonah in me. Mm -hmm. There there are some people that I don't don't want to associate. I don't want to say associate with. I don't want to be, I don't want to be uh, associated with them sometimes. To be their elder because they just rub me the wrong way. And say some things that, don't, while they don't offend me, I go, well, how stupid can you be to say that? I don't know if you gentlemen have that problem or not, but every time I go to Scripture, every time I sit in church and listen to a sermon and not just somebody waxing eloquent, I get convicted. Yeah. I get convicted while I'm preaching the sermon. I, I, I just think I, <laughs> I'm like, like preaching and I think to myself, oh, crap. <laughs> Yeah, that's really why we have the time of uh, confession and repentance on Sunday morning because I need to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, one of the one of the important ways to to lead. (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) yeah. If you're not a good follower, you're not going to be much of a leader. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that uh, that opening you know passage that. You preached on this week, lone Christianity. Hmm. Um, I think, I think that's that's a one of those areas where you can use this passage improperly to to justify it um, in certain ways, or you can read it properly and and like you said, do you not know 
um, you are God's temple as the church. Yeah. And, and there, this is like you pointed out on Sunday, one of those passages that you could do a lot of, a lot of bad with, um, including um, prohibiting the drinking of delicious coffee, you know, because it has caffeine in it. Um, yeah. Or, caffeine's a drug. Don't you dare pollute your body. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah. You could do, you could do a lot of uh, stuff that's not appropriate for this text and people do. You can get decaffeinated. Yeah. Coffee and beer. Near beer. No. Yeah. All right. Since that, since that is one of the ways this passage is misappropriated for our listeners, I don't know if we mentioned the passage that we were in on Sunday, First uh, Corinthians chapter three, verses sixteen through twenty-three. That's where we were. Since I mentioned that this passage, you know, uh, is mis misappropriated to insist that people shouldn't get tattoos or smoke jig- cigarettes. Jiggerettes, jiggerettes, <laughs> yeah, or or the or or to drink beer or to, or to drink a whiskey. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about that just for our listeners. Is it okay to uh, to enjoy God's creation? It's, an it's more than okay. And God created it for those purposes. Sorry, Albert. Yeah, that's no, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Wait, God created beer. Yeah, yeah. No, that was he, he created cigarettes. Cigarette. Did God create tattoos? Uh, what was the first miracle Christ, uh, Christ performed in the gospel? Very first one. Uh, was it the the wine creation from water? Yeah. Or, so now, what does that yeah. tell you about? I've heard people say, "Well, the wine in those days was not as as potent. People didn't get drunk." Yeah. And actually, they accused of being drunk the day of Pentecost. People got yeah. drunk in those days. Yes, the Jewish. Yeah. My experience with the Jewish people that I've known is to be drunk in the Jewish community is not acceptable. It is just not acceptable. Yeah, sure. And that's and that's and that's where we have our issue, right? Um, we hear from the pulpit today, uh, less so less so now than than a few years ago or or, or a decade ago, but we still hear it. Um, is the the prohibition of things that God created to be used for his own glory. Um, I heard a Christian comedian put it this way. It was a Tim Hawkins. He put it this way. God's not surprised about what you do with wine. (laughs) It doesn't catch him off off guard. He knew what he was doing when he created that. Um, And, and God created uh, the body to respond a certain way to that. Um, and he created the palate to enjoy that and the stomach to be warmed by that. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem we have is in the abuse of those things. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, and the same mm-hmm. with food. Why, why would God create so many flavors of food if he didn't want us to enjoy his creation? Right. Uh, in my, my daily quiet times, I've been <laughs> reading, uh, I'm in Genesis chapter six. Now I've, I've been in Genesis for I don't know. It's been a while since I started Genesis and I'm just now in chapter six, but in chapters in chapter one, God creates. And after he creates an aspect of creation, he steps back and he observes his creation and he says, it is good. He, he revels in his own creation in those days. And then he creates humankind. And on the seventh day, God rests to enjoy his own creation. Like God doesn't rest because he needs to sleep. No, he is, right. he, he rests to enjoy his own. Creation. 
Yeah. And it's, it's like, and then when he instructs us to take a Sabbath day rest, why is he doing that? Well, we do need the rest, right? But the Sabbath isn't primarily for us to get the sleep we need. That's a very self-centered Sabbath, right? The Sabbath day is created for man. Jesus teaches the Sabbath day is created for man, not man for the Sabbath, right? So the Sabbath day is created for people to enjoy the fruit of God's earth, the fruit of their own labor. Now, if God desires us to enjoy his creation and to praise him for the good things that he has given us, it, it actually is a sin to prohibit the good things God has given. That's actually what is wrong. It's a sin to abuse it. It's a sin not to enjoy it. Yes. Um, now, if you can't have a drink without having 13, by all means, don't have a drink. But enjoy God's creation. Um, if it's harmful to this wretched body, the body in its wretched condition, if it can cause cancer, count the costs before you do that. Are you willing to risk that? If so, enjoy what God has given you and praise him for it. Um, this life is not all we have. Uh, safety is not our primary concern as Christians. Mm-hmm. Honoring, honoring God is. So enjoy the good things that he has given. That's the only thing we can teach biblically. And God instructs us to do much, even in Deuteronomy chapter 14, where he instructs people to save 10% of their income to put it back and to use that money to go on a family vacation, a pilgrimage, a family vacation to Jerusalem and to buy anything their heart desires, including beer and strong drink. It's listed there in the verse explicitly, including those things and to drink to their heart's content. Like that's the instruction we see in scripture, which is really interesting um, because that's from the, from the churches that teach prohibition. They're getting that more from, um, from American prohibition than anything else. Not, not from the Bible, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, I'll just repeat what I said in the sermon. Uh, Be careful not to call sin what the Bible does not call sin, because you may be keeping people from honoring God. Yes, that's, I, I agree. Now, I don't hide the fact that I'm an alcoholic right? and mm-hmm. I have abused my body to the extent that I, I can no longer drink liquor. For me to take a drink would be a sin because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not enough bottles or enough days. Mm-hmm. But for you to take a drink, that's between you and God. It's, it's, not, it's none of my business. What's well, my business if you get drunk and harm someone? Yes. But outside of that, no. But just because I've abused it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it. Now I'm on right. dialysis. I can't eat. I love olives. I, I could live on olives. Mm-hmm. I even drink the brine of it. I love them so much. I can't eat them anymore. My body cannot. Mm-hmm. Was, for me to do that, it would be a sin against my body and a sin against God. He says, hey, God created this world. Six days. We want to interpret it. I think it's six days and 24 mm-hmm. hours, but that's my opinion. I'm not going to argue with you about it. Whatever you feel. Everything here on this earth that keeps us alive comes out of the earth all the food, all the medicines, everything. The inventions that men have, I believe, even if the man's a complete heathen, God says, hey, it's time that man have this to prolong their life. I'm going to allow, you are my chosen. Even though you're not a Christian, you're my chosen to do this. So then we, we enjoy that because he created it. We're not in a hurry to die. This is what's, this is hard to understand. I could die at any moment. I would like, to, I'm hoping that that I haven't done whatever it is I'm supposed to do on this earth and then I die. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing wrong that I can see with you wanting to prolong this life on this earth 
if it brings glory to God. Yeah. And it brings help to your fellow man. Once that's done, it's it's time to go. But I was talking with uh, oh, those people that do, don't do medicine. Right. Jehovah Witnesses. Yeah, or, or, Christian, or Christian, Christian scientists. Christian scientists yeah. who, who will not accept the fact that you do medicine. You say, God created that. No, he didn't. That No. Mm. He created it through that person. Mm. He created it for you to enjoy. Yeah, which which brings brings us, you know, right to right to the issue that faces us all, right? COVID vaccines. Um, and there are people who are dead set against that for any number of reasons. And there are people who are all for it because it preserves life. Mm-hmm. And uh, to this issue, just the only thing I can speak to that issue, uh, should you get a COVID vaccine or not, is uh, follow the convictions of Yep. of yep. of your heart of your life right biblically what even if there is a conspiracy even <laughs> if even if people mean this vaccine for evil yes. right even if there are evil methods by which vaccines are being produced i seem to read in scripture that what people mean for evil god means for good now i have a problem using anything that advances an industry that utilizes aborted fetal cells. I have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. And so my, conviction, so. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Um, that's God's work. Right. And I, I'm not going to, I don't want to stand in the way of God's work. He's knitting that baby together. I have a problem with abortion straight up. But when it comes to the vaccine, not all vaccines use aborted fetal cells. Um, there might be some harmful substances in there, but there's not a law in scripture against, you know, the drinking of caffeine, which can be harmful uh, or anything else like that. Um, be careful, be careful not to call sin what the Bible does not call sin. And I'll tell you what, if it is our objective to live at peace with all people, to consider others to be more important than ourselves, then we're going to fight a lot less about that. And we're going to sincerely invest in one another. Um, we're going to be a little more Socratic in our method. Like, um, can you explain to me how that honors God or how it doesn't? And that's what we're going to be concerned about, not substances, right? We'll be concerned about abuse of substances, but not the substances oh, yeah. themselves, which are all mm-hmm. moral. Right? If you consider the, the ministry of Christ, he prolonged life. He gave not only quantity, but quality. The man who was blind, he, mm. he gave him his sight. He had a quality of life now. Lazarus, I oh, often, yeah. often wonder what Lazarus thought when he came back from the dead. Mm. He said, I was happy with Abraham, and here I am now back with you fools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why, why are you waking me up, bro? I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> Do me a favor, sister, please. <laughs> Which is why we don't seek to raise, which is why we don't seek to conjure up spirits, right? Because we don't want to interrupt anybody's rest. That's mean. That's not loving your neighbor, man. <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought that was all nonsense, but I'm not sure that today that through the devil, people cannot bring back those yeah. who, I, those who, who are, uh, who are at rest with Christ, it'd be a hard time getting back, I think. But I think that's, it's possible. It's, you start dealing with witchcraft, who knows? Who, mm. who knows? powers are for what God will allow. He allowed sure. which in Doran or wherever it was. That's frightening. Oh, I could tell you some stories, man. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Did you dabble in a little bit of uh, 
dead raising. <laughs> uh, my my dabbling in the occult uh, wasn't serious. I used tried to use a Ouija board one time and it didn't work. But, uh, <laughs> I tried it once and it worked too well. So I oh, there you go. So, so <laughs> I think when we start dealing with things like that, it's you know, you're getting on a slippery slope. Yeah. No, my. Um, my most okay if i can share this on the show yeah my most my most intense with encounter with uh with a a, a dark presence that was otherworldly right i think it was a demon uh, was when i was uh, on a college campus at oklahoma baptist university and my roommate was uh i, I think he had just quit school mm-hmm. and so i had i had my room all to myself which i really enjoyed that was nice it was nice to have a dorm room all to myself you know oh yeah uh, yeah <laughs> so i was uh, laying in bed one night and uh, I just, I felt an overwhelming dark presence that I never felt before. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is scary. And I didn't think much of it. Mm. And uh, throughout the week that week, it, it like, it kept getting uh, more intense and more intense. And finally I was getting like paranoid and like locking my door to try to keep the dark presence out and whatever. And one night I was laying in bed and uh, I was, I couldn't sleep and uh, dark thoughts entering my mind. And I was like, what in the world is going on? I've never had thoughts like this before. And there's no reason for me to have these thoughts. Uh, and so I, so I started quoting Bible verses, right? And uh, all, all the Bible verses I could recall, I would, I would quote them and I, and I would say them out loud. And it, it didn't work. <laughs> the dark, <laughs> darkness still around, like, like the devil saying, I know those too. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, so... <laughs> So, yeah, scripture. So, so so finally I was like, the only thing I could think to do is just to rebuke this thing in the name of Jesus. Right. So I was like, that's, that's my only option. I don't know why I didn't do that first. Um, out loud. I said, in the name of Jesus, leave here and never bother me again. Right. So I just said it out loud and uh, overwhelm like instantly overwhelming peace. And I fell asleep. And the next morning I woke up and, and it was joyful. Um, brightness like that so that's the most intense encounter i've i've had and i remember having i've had some others but that that by far is the most intense yeah well what is it is it resist the devil and he will flee from me i think that's the passage um it seems very straightforward like like we we picture satan having all this power over us and and you know us being in some you know battle every day where we have to you know, thwart him and whatnot, but the the passage it's it's so like we're talking about the devil, like Satan, yeah. like and 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 the passage reads, resist him and he'll flee. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. Oh, is, that, is that simple? I don't I don't need a I don't need a, a priest to come and you know uh, <laughs> do a, do a, do an exorcism in my home. No, every single Christian, if you are in Christ, you have authority over Satan. That's a biblical yeah. promise. That, you know, yeah. and it's that simple. But we we over we we, we overcomplicate everything. We're good at that. It's a complicated simplicity. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. Com- complex, but not complicated. Yeah, the scripture yeah. teaches us that he who is within you is greater than. I believe that the devil can influence me, mm. but I don't believe he can control me. Right. I, th- I think there are right. times when Christ just takes over the steering wheel. I really believe that, but Satan can't. Satan gets a, a lot of credit, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for things he doesn't do simply because I'm a sinner <laughs> and I love my sins. 
Yeah, people, yeah, people see the devil. Yeah. No, it's me. It's not, you know, he's yeah. <laughs> since Sunday was Tiffle. basically yeah, since Sunday was basically post-millennial Sunday, we'll, oh. we'll just say that uh yeah, no, Satan is bound. Love it. Is Satan is bound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we loosen him from time to time. Well, <laughs> we certainly try, don't we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> it's a lot of credit. He's, no, he's not, you know. He's not all yeah. powerful, not omnipresent. Mm. So I, right. But as long as we're in this, our our nature, our true nature is not sinful. I think Scripture teaches that. We, we would dread mm. it. I think we, when Christ says, "Blessed are those who grieve," He never mm. explains it. I kind of think He's talking about grieving. What are you going to grieve over? Loss of your wife? No. Well, I mean, you interesting, will. Interesting. There, the word the word blessed there mm. actually means happy and mm-hmm. joyful. Um, and I and I think that's the messianic promise. Like yeah. Christ came in His incarnation to to restore people from grief. Yes. Those who seek after His kingdom, uh, those who those who seek first His kingdom and righteousness, I, He came to restore us from the grief of this world. And I think that's what He's getting at there in the Sermon on the Mount, because that it, it literally means happy, joyful. Joyful are those who who grieve. Why? Because the Messiah is here. That's mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think also if we grieve over our sins, if if we're broken over our sins, we're truly broken, we wouldn't do them again. So we're not this side of eternity. I don't I don't think we can ever be broken. For whatever reason, Christ decided that he's going to leave us with that old nature that it, that is it, and every now and then he pops up. It's it just it's it's difficult. But then Christ comes and knock it off. Stop it. It's hard. I've Kathy says you complain too much, Albert. And I go, Kathy. I was in the Marine Corps, and when, <laughs> and when you go out to meet a situation, you ask yourself, what if? What if this happens outside the norm? I was a banker. You get these things. What if? You keep saying, what if? What if? And you take the worst case scenario before you step your foot out. And I got to be retrained. Is that possible? <laughs> well, it's like you can, you can, tell, you can tell when someone is uh, law enforcement. Right, yes, of um, course, by their demeanor, mm-hmm. um, because that's the way they're trained. So you can tell someone is law enforcement or former law enforcement because the old habits always come back. Uh, they're you can you can tell they're watching hands. They're trained to watch hands. So watching hands, um, and uh, you know if they if they sit down, it's uh, at least in their peripherals they can see the exits of a room, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you can kind of tell by someone's demeanor. Oh, they've been trained that way, um, and it's. Yeah, I, I, I came to Christ, but God in his grace, when I came to Christ, he allowed me to retain Andrew Cannon, right? Such that he is calling individuals into his kingdom, mm-hmm. one kingdom, but the kingdom really is made up of individuals. And we don't lose our, our, our personalities when we come to Christ. No. We are conformed to the image of Christ, right? Become obedient to Christ, but we don't lose our, our personalities. Uh, we don't, uh, God is not a, the God of cancel culture, right? He, he doesn't cancel mm-hmm. us when we come to him. Uh, and so in Christ, there are many cultures and there are many ethnicities and, and there are many languages and the resurrection will reflect that. Heaven will reflect that. Um, people will retain the part of their cultural identities that that are honoring to Christ, right? Um, and there will be different cultures, and 
on the new earth, there will be different languages uh, and there will be different nations. Um, the scripture is pretty clear about that. It doesn't say we'll all, all of a sudden be uniform. No, uh, to be united does not mean to be uniform. Uh, God is not a God of uniformity. All things must be the same. If he was, he would not have created such diversity. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. Within the church, there, there are different people that come from different backgrounds, as, as the mm -hmm. pastor just explained. So that when you come into the church, somebody in that church can identify with you because they've been there. If somebody yeah. comes in who's an alcoholic, I know exactly what he went through, exactly what he mm. was thinking, exactly how self-centered he was. And now Christ has relieved him of that. We can identify. I can, My wife says that she came to Christ when she was 12. That's foreign to my mind. How can you... Mm. No, I believe she did, but I can't identify with that. I'm glad she did. No, I, I had to I had to have a longer childhood <laughs> of self-abuse or whatever you want to call it. So, but there are other people in the church. Nita identifies with it because she came to Christ as a Steve, on the other hand, was a little round the corners, if you will. So he, <laughs> I, I, he, okay. he I, and I, I still each other. I, I still want Steve to write that book about his experiences. Oh. <laughs> so, some of them are funny, some of them are not so funny. I know, I know. Well, they're funny now, but it's, it's like, no. It's yeah, funny. Not, not funny when it happens. But. No, but now it's a little, it's a little. I told Steve, I told Steve, when Steve, when you go to court, here's one thing you don't want to do. Remember this. You never remember nothing else. Remember, never refer to the judge as your transvestiteness. It's right back to the jail you go. And Steve said, Did you? No, I said, Yeah, I did that, Steve. Oh, man. You know, when you're when you're just stupid, it's like, whoa, why would you okay. do that? Why would any mm. sane person do that? Well, insanity has different forms. No kidding. It's, no. Uh, I think back on these things sometimes. I wonder, you know, how I abused it. It's it's amazing. The grace of God goes deeper than any of us will realize. You know, I keep thinking yeah. of uh, not thinking of him, but Judas, comparing Judas to the thief on the cross. Judas, who was with Christ for three years, who knew what forgiveness was, mm. and for whatever reason, I mean, he went out and healed people, spread the gospel, and yet he doesn't. He didn't understand the first thing about forgiveness. The thief on the cross, for whatever reason, understood. He's. I want to talk to him when I get there. Yeah. 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 Well, there are many, many people who hear about Jesus and don't understand that uh, that Jesus is Lord and we are sinners and Christ came to forgive sin. Right. Instead, they they see Christianity as a as a good moral system and Jesus as a good example. And uh, many people who classify themselves as Christians, uh, for whatever reason, uh, they they don't know the the actual gospel message mm -hmm. that Jesus Jesus is God. He is sovereign. He is Lord, and he came to he came to call a people to himself uh, so that we would willingly kneel before him. Right. That's that's mm -hmm. what he's doing. And uh, people want to use Christ to feel like good, pious, moral people. And I, I'm pretty sure Christ does not appreciate being used in that way. Mm. I'm pretty sure he wants us to kneel to him as king and to, and to repent yeah. and seek his forgiveness. And so everybody 
everybody can experience Christ. This is common grace. Mm -hmm. Everybody can experience Christ. Christ is uh, renewing the entire world and all people alive on the world get to experience that. And many people celebrate what Christ is doing in the world. It's amazing. It's, It's worth celebrating. But only some of those people are actually kneeling before King Jesus. Um, and, and yeah, all people will eventually kneel, some willingly and some unwillingly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's the call we make as the church. We want you to come, come kneel before Jesus. We don't just want you to celebrate the good things that Christ does for all people. We want you to become part of his church. We want you to kneel before King Jesus. That's... Yeah. Well, they're, they're half right. If you can be half right, you will not find any better morals or more desirable morals than you will find outside the teaching of Christ. Right. The morals are there. However, when you look at that, the greatest moral that they're transgressing against is Christ as Lord. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's, now, you know, people say, I'm going to make Jesus Lord. You can't make him Lord. He's already Lord. Yeah. Right. You can't you either accept it or reject it, and then you won't accept it because you're not saved by your efforts. Yeah. This is this gets very confusing because Christ calls and Christ answers, and I don't understand that. But that's above my pay scale. Mm-hmm. I never understand it. I don't worry about it anymore. Yeah, the Bible is the Bible is good for atheists and agnostics if they want to strive for that moral. Yeah. moral code it's good it, it will benefit them absolutely on this earth right? yes it will um and so so yeah that's like jordan peterson right who doesn't confess christ as lord who doesn't believe there is a god but is terrified there might be a god um but he still uses the bible as a standard for morality that's going to yeah. benefit him on this earth but he still is not kneeling before Christ. And ultimately that's the goal, right? That's, that's the gospel. Uh, this will, this, the Bible benefits all people. It's here for all people, even those who are reprobate, even those who will never trust in Christ. But uh, the, the ultimate gift is eternal life. Uh, the ultimate gift is a relationship with Jesus. Um, and that's when we are freed from the legalistic, uh, legalistic treating of the Bible and the law is written upon our upon our hearts, and the Bible is um, the tool we use to get to know Jesus, rather than just to try to be good people, which is it's so liberating. Uh, and even Jordan Peterson, he talked about how, you know, he he looks at the Bible and he reads all this about about joy in Christ, and one of the reasons he can't believe is because he is in such anguish in life; his suffering is so much. And then the Bible teaches that there is actually joy in suffering. And that doesn't make sense to someone who, who doesn't kneel before Christ. Um, it's, yeah. it's only, it only, that only makes sense to someone who is actually in Christ. Uh, there is joy in suffering. We consider it all joy. Yeah. I found that this book was, was, was written for adults. Uh, yes, it's, <laughs> it's an adult conversation. And, uh, That's it. Yeah. It's, uh, there's more in here than I think man has taken out. God has revealed to us. I think there's more in here than that. There's no new revelation. Christ closed that. That's that. That's you know. But I think as the time goes by, as individuals, we learn more from Scripture. And we go, oh. Mm. And I read the Old Testament and say, oh. And I see things in there that are not in the New Testament yet. They're there, but you have to ferret it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly and truly believe that the New Testament explains the Old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
if you only have the Old Testament or the New Testament, you're, you're missing a lot of God's beautiful, beautiful message to us. Yeah, we need, we need, we need both testaments of God together. That's right. <laughs> and, and we yeah. call it old and new, but they're both old. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the old I, I, and older testaments. <laughs> I, I prefer the first and second testament. Yeah, or That's, the old and older. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I see it in our day we're we're really testing the the um, how practical that what God says is good actually comes to be for all people as right. we're rejecting. Um, what God calls good, even if you're an atheist or agnostic. I don't think there's any true atheists in the world, but um, just philosophical. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we're doing that today. We're, we're testing by changing um, everything that, that we have created in this country. Um, actually, it's not just America. You see it taking place worldwide where we're, not going, I don't believe that this is just going to be a changing of, of cultural preferences and adopting things that are evil in God's sight. And then we, we keep them. I, I feel like we're in a time right now and we're, and I say we, meaning like humanity, right. are testing the truth and goodness of, of what God claims. This God, the only one that's really sustained the time of history and testing and, and revealing himself. And, and now we're going to change uh, what he says is good and assault him. If there were such a thing that you could do uh, by, you know, removing him from all things that are uh, right in our culture. And we're going to see that. Um, and I, I think things are breaking apart. People are seeing the stupidity of, of man and man's ways and the, goodness and glory of God, which is only revealed in, in scripture, which, you know, humanity by nature rejects and runs away from. But now what do you do? Like, how far do you, how, how far do you embrace the depravity uh, and keep changing um, what God says is good to something that is evil in his sight? Um, when everyone around, I mean, this isn't, this isn't hidden. You could see the foolishness of, of man's ways. And the more we embrace it, the more foolish it becomes. And, and no matter what your philosophical, you know, approach to, you know, understanding the world is like, you can see, you can't, you can't maintain a consistency outside of what God has decreed. You can't, you can't do it because it, it gets to a point where you just says, you, you have to say my way, what I choose is what's good. Um, and you have to do it because I say so, you know, and, and it just the whole the whole system breaks apart without God, and we're witnessing um, those choices today. And it's yeah. for His glory. I think that's one of the clear things. We're gonna see it. We're gonna witness it, and then change it. And and that gets us back to like one of the first claims Paul made in First Corinthians, which God is using the foolishness of the world to shame the wisdom of the world. Yes. And that's like one of the one of the basic underlying features of his first letter to Corinth here. Um, it's God really is the wisdom of the world. The more we buy into that, the more the more we just tear ourselves apart, the more we're ruining ourselves from the inside. And we're seeing that bear out, especially with this whole uh, 
social justice thing, the, the woke, the, the yep. social gospel, right? Um, because through the social gospel, through the through social justice, the way we are currently defining it in our society, uh, through that, people are taking us back 200 years to times of oppression and to times of racism. Um, and we've, we've made all this progress as a society. And here comes the woke church, right? And just taking us back 200 years. And it's yep. like my reply to that is kind of ironic. I, I like to say, yeah, this is the 21st century. Can't you get with the times? <laughs> this progress now. And in this case, getting with the times means getting back to the Bible, like the Bible really did have it right the first time. And, yep. and it, it's, we're seeing that uh, it's bearing out in our current society. We're tearing ourselves apart. Why? Because we have no idea what the Bible says. <laughs> we have no idea how to do theology. And that's the church's fault. Yeah. We watered things down. You know? Yes. The unforgivable sin Christ was talking, the, the, the scribes and Pharisees said he cast out Satan because he works for Satan. Is to see the work of God and ascribe it to the work of the devil. I think right. that's the that's the sin against the Holy Spirit, hmm. which is unbelief, but which is... But the pastor said something Sunday. I, you know, Socrates or Plato, I can't remember which says, the world's always been at the dog. Your concept of the world now has changed, and so therefore the world's at the dog. I thought, well, yeah, that makes sense. Everything, everything we know from Socrates is actually from Plato, so that's a safe yes. way to say it. Plato said, yes. and, and, and Paul, and Paul quoted him too. Yeah. On Mars. <laughs> anyway, he said something that you know. I thought, well, the world's gone. You know, as as the males in the country go, so go the country. So mm-hmm. males now are not staying in marriages; mm-hmm. they're, they're not being committed. So they're leaving the, the families in drove. And we're raising children without a father who do not understand the male or the, the, the just the harshness of a male sometimes, if you will, as opposed to the gentleness of a woman. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. But he says something Sunday that which resonated with me. As the church goes, so goes the nation. Mm-hmm. And that's the right. church has stopped preaching the gospel. My goodness, what happened? Jesus calling. <laughs> I just said in the next room, this is my daughter. I, I have to find out what she, she wants. Be, be you there? Well, we're just about out of time. <laughs> See you, Albert. Right. I had to wait like one more minute. We're about to close up the episode. It's like, <laughs> well, brother, uh, you have anything else before we close out this episode? Any, any, uh, any last thoughts? today yeah um i don't want to skip this important verse that closes the passage i know that we didn't go through all of it um exhaustively but um i i think this is such an important verse with uh, important implications that we don't want to misread or um, but when we see in verse 22 um whether paul or paul's Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God. Um, my, my focus there, which you um, emphasized is everything belongs to the church. And 
actually that was the same time like albert mentioned where you mentioned the uh, the world denigrates with the church um but but everything belongs to the church and i think that's that's so different than the teaching than you hear today um in this abandon the world christianity this is these two things are so tied together when when you see bad doctrine ruins the world literally like like this is this is the direction the church has gone for the, the past generation for whatever reason of abandoning the world and and just staring in the clouds for their their Jesus to come riding on a cloud you know please lord get me out of here get me out of here it's like when we're 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 like no, we need, this is this is our inheritance. We got to take care of it. We got to we got to impact the culture and redeem it for the glory of Jesus, not abandon. Um, and it's right here. It all are yours. Um, am I reading too much in that? Because that seemed to be what I've read from or heard from you. Um, same thing when you were preaching on Sunday. This is not this is not a a spiritual later on um, heavenly mystic you know type possession that we get right it, it is interesting so I, I i don't classify myself as a as a post-millennial <laughs> yet <laughs> but like as as you teach through does. the bible as, as you, <laughs> yeah bonson identifies me as a post-millennial but he was writing really before the the post-millennial position and the all-millennial position were separated so <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's interesting how teaching through scripture as a Pastor, and I, I take a literal approach to the scriptures, uh, interpret the scriptures grammatically and historically, and you just you just teach the scriptures. And it's interesting when you have to teach because the scripture says it. Teach a viewpoint that you do not take. Now that causes you to think about your own theology. Yeah. Um, but because we are faithful to the text of scripture, we have to teach what the scriptures say, regardless of our doctrinal viewpoint. And that's what you heard on on Sunday was me. Yes putting my, my own doctrine to the side, my own theology to the side and just teaching the text. Um, and we need preachers yeah. and teachers who are willing to do that. Yeah. And of course that causes the preacher teacher then to reflect on his own doctrine, reflect on his own theology and say, okay, if that's not the position I would have taken, now I am responsible to change in response to the text rather than just trying to confirm my own doctrine and present my own doctrine. So the Bible forces us to do that. If we teach, expositorily, Lectio Continua, the text, and we do it faithfully, the text forces us to do that, to wrestle with our own doctrine. That's what I wanted to mention earlier. I didn't do it as well as you. There is a passage in Scripture. I don't know where it is. I'm going to find it, and hopefully I can remember it correctly. It says that, that at the end, when all things are subjected to Christ by the Father, right now death is still the domain of, if I understand it, Christ overcame death, but death is still the domain of the devil, mm. of Satan. Yeah. That when all things, including death, are submitted to Christ, that Christ then will sit down under the Father with the church. And the reason that this is happening is for the church, to the church. The church was in God's mind before the foundations of the earth. There is no salvation outside the church. Mm. That's another said Sunday, which I've been working through because... The Catholics teach that, but in a different in a different way. Different way. Yeah. You, 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 I was glad when they said unto me, "Let us go into the house of the Lord." That hasn't changed. That's in Old Testament, it's in the New. Mm. But the more I study about the church, the yeah. more I 
I come to realize the church is blood relations through the blood of Christ. And in the church, you will find a mother and a father. If you didn't have one, you will find mm -hmm. brothers and sisters. You will find children. They're, yeah. they're all there. That's why when somebody gets up to sing and they can't carry a note, I don't care. They're a child of God. Let them sing. Uh, gentlemen, let's let somebody dance. Yeah. Sometimes. I've seen it from a small child and the child shall lead them. The church, the church, the church, the church is the bride of Christ. There is no, it, it's, mm. he died for the church. It's, I'm amazed every time I, I think about that because I'm in that church and I'm a sinner. Yeah, me too. Saved by grace. And even my faith is not, I don't, can't even take credit for my faith. Yeah. What, a, what a loving God we, we, we serve. Mm -hmm. Amen. It's, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 28. When all First, things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will be subjected to him who put mm -hmm. all things in subjection under him that god may be all in oh. all oh there's a lot to work out there i can't wait <laughs> <laughs> oh so there there's your teaser joining us uh if, if you're not coming to church come for the rest of this series through first corinthians <laughs> as as we're gonna uh first corinthians gives us some uh some hardcore stuff that's controversial today but basic for the christian faith uh, it is a basic ecclesiology that's what it is uh, thank you so much for joining us this episode of Blacktop Pulpit by The Church at Sunsites. Please head to thechurchatsunsites.com. Check out the resources we offer to watch uh, past sermons and check out Bible studies to, to catch up on stuff, uh, to check out everything that we are doing. Uh, quick announcements. Um, on Easter Sunday, uh, we are having, uh, what is it, an 830 service? An 8:30 service where we'll have some hymns and and uh, and I'll present our Resurrection Sunday message, followed by brunch. So come eat, followed by just a time of praise and worship to our God. So be sure to come to that and uh, pray for us, and be sure to donate at thechurchofsunsites.com so we can continue the ministry that we are doing in our community and around the world. Thanks again for joining us. We will catch you next time. <laughs>